GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association is hoping Ottawa will make exemptions on new trucking transportation rules for livestock. We'll hear from Stock Growers President Garner Diabold. The Durham Summit is being held in Swift Current on Wednesday. The chair of the Durham Summit, Robert Chapman, will talk about some of the events that they have planned and who will be attending. And the East Central Research Foundation farm near Yorkton has completed another study. Research coordinator Mike Hall was checking to see if it was worth split applying nitrogen to manage drought risk in wheat. We'll have all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. And sunny here in the Yorkton area today, but it seems like our thermometer is having a little trouble getting warmer today. Yeah, it is stuck in that, uh, in that extreme cold range. The Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association is hoping Ottawa will make exemptions on new trucking transportation rules for livestock. Stock Growers President Garner Diabald says there is a conflict between livestock health rules and trucker hours of service. He says the United States exempts the rules if a trucker is within 150 miles of the destination and he wants Canada to do the same. It amounts to uh, uh, regulating uh, truckers hours I guess in transport and and the time that they have to uh, log on the road here and, and again it's something that is a hard and fast rule right now and, and definitely will have a, an impact on livestock transportation. And so it, it's something that we definitely would be in favor of following the, the U.S. lead and, and harmonizing with them what, uh, what their standards are and just provide an exemption here for livestock drivers that are driving and, and if they are within a 150-mile radius of uh, either the origin or the destination of the trip, that they would be exempt from that. And, and so... If there isn't some changes, I guess, here, there definitely will be a cost to the industry. And, and so we would support having an exemption there and, and having common sense prevail. He says it's due to the new electronic logging device regulations that were implemented January 1st. Right. I mean, there are regulations that were brought in where they have to use electronic logging devices. And so when they time out, you know, where, whether they're in a, a long lineup, the, the meter is running. And, and so it definitely will encumber, I guess, the transportation of the livestock. And ultimately, you know, you'll either have to have other, other drivers on hand and, and there will be added costs to it as well. Right now, truckers in Canada can only travel for 16 hours per day but livestock can be shipped by truck for 36 straight hours. Diabold wants to see an exemption for truckers that are within a 150-mile radius of their destination. Correct, yes. We, we would see that the U.S. regulation and the exemption that they are allowing, that is something that needs to happen here, and we definitely will be lobbying for, uh, for that to happen with the federal government. He's concerned that some livestock could end up dead if Ottawa doesn't make an exemption. Well, the, the, you know, you have to calculate in. You'd, you'd never want that to happen. And, and you know, whether you, you can't load because of timing or you have to offload the livestock. And so if you're going that way, then, you know, there's added cost and time as well and an extra stress for the cattle as well. You know, whenever you're loading and unloading, it can add stress as well. 
On another topic, the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association held their semi-annual meeting in Saskatoon last week. Diabol talks about some of their resolutions. Yeah, so there there were uh, two main resolutions, I guess, uh, two or three here. One of them was dealing with foot and mouth disease, and this is more just preparedness in case something were to happen, and just to lobby the government of Canada and Saskatchewan to fully fund the foot and mouth disease vaccine bank. And again, that is just to, to ensure that we are prepared in case there ever is a problem. The second one has to do with also with the movement of livestock again and and also, uh, you know, rather than having a paper trail or recording by paper that we use some newer technologies and use an electronic version rather than having a, a manifest that needs to be printed out and, and you know, there's good electronic apps now that you can use and, and with would be well suited, I guess, for tracking livestock. And so that is something that, you know, we definitely would be in favor of. I think we had a good semi-annual meeting. And again, it, it's good to work on some of these issues that are affecting our industry. And, and we'll keep advocating uh, for the uh, livestock producers here. Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association President Garner Diabold ranches near Hodgeville in southwestern Saskatchewan. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. The SPCA in BC says animal protection officers have seized 129 neglected cattle from a property in the southeastern interior. It says the cows were being housed in substandard conditions on a property in Coston with no access to shelter or protection from the elements. It says numerous carcasses of dead cows were also discovered on the property. The SPCA says charges of animal cruelty are being recommended in the case. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 72% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 25 a significant decline from the previous week's 83%. The decline reflects a decline in performance for each of CN and CP. In supplying 78% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 25, CN's order fulfillment performance declined from the 80% order fulfillment performance seen in week 24, having now declined for two consecutive weeks. CN performance once again fell short of the 90% threshold, having now not reached that threshold in 12 of the last 13 weeks. CP order fulfillment performance after posting improved performance for two straight weeks declined sharply last week, with the railway supplying only 68% of cars ordered last week, a decline from the 86% order fulfillment performance seen in week 24. This marks the 20th consecutive week that CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold. There isn't much in the way of significant changes in the U.S. Department of Agriculture's attaché reports on grain production in Australia and Canada. USDA's Global Agricultural Information Network office in Canberra pegged Australia's wheat production for 2022-23 at 37 million metric tons, 400,000 more than the official USDA estimate. 
In comparison, the Australian Bureau of Agriculture and Resource Economics placed the wheat harvest at 36.6 million metric tons. When it came to Canadian wheat production for 2022-23, the USDA attaché in Ottawa was virtually in line with the department's current estimates. The report noted the much improved growing conditions on the Canadian prairies compared to the previous year. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada placed total supply for 2022-23 all-wheat at 37.622 million metric tons, imports at 125,000, domestic usage at 9.022 million, and the carryout at 4.7 million. The war on weeds is an ongoing battle for growers, with challenges and changes across the industry, including the advent of herbicide-resistant weed. Growers are looking for tools to add to their arsenal against weeds. John Jackson, president at Global Neighbor, Neighbor Inc., says the company's weed seed destroyer offers weed control at harvest on the back of the combine. The weed seed destroyer is an implement that takes the output from a combine at the sieve section and treats it with light to destroy weed seeds. The seed destroyer uses mid-infrared wavelengths to treat the seed first and then applies blue light to damage the seed. The seed destroyer attaches at the rear of the combine. Jackson says they use baffles to direct chaff from the sieve system into the seed destroyer's hopper. From the hopper, it's run through an auger into the light system, then blown back up into the chopper and out to the field. Milk prices in New Brunswick are set to increase by four cents per liter starting Wednesday. A news release from the New Brunswick Farm Products Commission blames the increase on rising production costs faced by dairy producers and processors. It says dairy farmers are paying more for feed, machinery and equipment repairs, fuel and oil, custom work and hired labor. The Commission says the price adjustment also covers increased costs borne by dairy processors, including for packaging, manufacturing, transportation and distribution. The Commission says farmers will receive 1.7 cents more per liter from the price increase, while processors will get 2.4 cents more per liter. And that's the AgriView portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny at minus 24 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The Durham Summit is being held in Swift Current on Wednesday. Durham is an important crop for the southern prairies with Saskatchewan accounting for the lion's share of production, but more is being grown in southern Alberta as well. Robert Chapman is the Durham Summit's co-chair. You know, there's about a, a little over a million acres in, in southern Alberta, and, uh, and over half the Durham production in, in western Canada is within a couple of hundred kilometers of, of swift currents. But um, it really has moved towards the west. Through the Fusarium years, moved the acreage um, you know, west out of, there's a little bit, maybe in pockets in southern Manitoba, soon as the weather's been a little drier of late, but Fusarium largely drove it out of there. The average Durham crop is about 6 million metric tons, 
but last year it was only 5.4 million tons, mainly due to the dry conditions in the southwest. Chapman says the summit speakers focus on the future. We like to address the opportunities and challenges that lie in front of us uh, in agriculture. We've made such strides that over you know, the last number of years in varietal development, focusing on disease resistance and yield, and uh, a little bit of work being done also, to say the least, on uh, Fraserium head blight, because we, we are hoping that the wetter years come back um, as they normally do. So we'll focus on that, and then we focus on all of the aspects of it. We bring in an end-use customer to talk about what their uh, looking for. I mean, it's always key to talk to your customer to make sure you're on the same page. And this gives farmers a first-hand opportunity to hear right from those uh, kind of individuals. As usual, there will be a representative from the European Union Durham business. We always find ourselves in agriculture somewhat decoupled from our customers. We feel decoupled from our customers because there's such a long supply chain out of Canada. So I think bringing them in firsthand, especially for a change this time, a European-based um, individual coming out of Spain. So that brings in that flavor as well. One of the highlights will be a transportation panel moderated by Kevin Hirsch. Kevin always does a great job of pulling the best out of the individuals that will be there. So rep from the railway, you know, one from the uh, grower groups, from the farm organizations, which money gets poured into for different varietal development and making sure that we stay on top of issues like transportation. And then we'll have uh, Mark Hemis also from Quorum Group come in and give us a State of the Union, State of Affairs to date. And the market outlook portion of the program will be handled by Marlena Borsch, with Mercantile Consulting Venture. She's a good analyst. She does a really good job of, of looking objectively at it. We challenged her to look forward more in her comments, which she's welcomed. So we've asked her not just to look at what we see for the balance of this year, but let's look forward as different demands are starting to take place. We're seeing Northern Plains Durham in the US. We're seeing those acres challenged by other crops. So does that generate more opportunity in North American uh, mill market as we go forward for Canadian farmers through uh, uh, various different handling companies that's Robert Chapman, co-chair of the Durham, Durham Summit, coming up Wednesday in Swift Current. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 158.57. That's up 185. April live cattle trading at 163.40, up 257. March feeder cattle trading at 184.45, up 97. April feeder cattle trading at 188.60, up 105. February lean hogs trading at 75.25, down 62. April lean hogs trading at 86.45, unchanged from Friday's close. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The East Central Research Foundation farm near Yorkton has completed another study. Research coordinator Mike Hall was checking to see if it was worth split applying nitrogen to manage drought risk in wheat. In Western Canada, it's generally considered to be the best practice to put all your nitrogen down at seeding. However, in wetter climates, like England for example, they'll split up 
supply their nitrogen because that's a better use of nitrogen there. But there are some situations in Western Canada where we might consider a split application. For example, here we've had two years of drought back to back and our soil moisture reserves are, were depleted. So a producer might say, well, I'm going to hold back on some of that nitrogen and if conditions improve, then I'll apply some more nitrogen after the crop has emerged. But if you're going to take that strategy, you really should be getting that nitrogen out there before the three to five leaf stage. That will ensure that nitrogen is going towards yield. Later applications are going to go less towards yield and more towards protein. However, if you have a fair bit of nitrogen that you're putting up front, you should be able to get away with a later season application of nitrogen without having given up too much yield potential. And that's the purpose of this. The objective of this trial is to demonstrate some of those concepts. The first five treatments set up a response curve to increasing rates of nitrogen using side-banded urea. These rates include residual soil N in the top 24 inches of soil, not just the applied N. The remaining treatments evaluate split applications of nitrogen to a base rate of either 80 or 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre of soil plus side-banded urea. The timing of the split applications of N is either the 3 to 5 leaf stage, which is recommended to maintain yield potential, or early flag leaf stage, which is more likely to increase protein, but less likely to maintain yield potential. Treatments 6 and 7 are dribble banding 60 pounds of nitrogen of UAN on a base rate of 80 pounds of nitrogen, and treatments 10 and 11 are dribble banding 30 pounds of nitrogen per acre on a base rate of 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre. These treatments all have 140 pounds of nitrogen per acre in total and can be compared to treatment 4 as a check, which is 140 pounds of soil plus side banded N. Similarly, Treatments 8, 9, 12, and 13 are split applications involving 170 pounds of nitrogen per acre in total and can be compared to treatment 5 as a check, which is 170 pounds of M per acre of soil plus side banded N. These comparisons will determine if there are any benefits to split applications compared to just side banding all the nitrogen down at seeding and whether split applications with a high base rate are more effective. In 2022, trials were conducted at seven of the eight agriarm sites, covering a range of soil types and climatic conditions. The results from this study must be looked at individually by site, as there was a strong site-by-treatment interaction. In other words, the response to treatment differed between locations. Indian Head and Outlook were high-yielding sites, and the wheat yield was very responsive to added nitrogen. Scott and Swift Current were low yielding and fairly unresponsive to N during drought. Yorkton and Melfort will be left out of this discussion as Yorkton was high yielding but unresponsive to nitrogen. At this site, soil reserves of nitrogen were quite high and yield potential was probably reduced by 20 to 30 percent from hail received on June 23rd. Melfort had a high residual soil N as well but was still responsive to added nitrogen. Unfortunately, nitrogen treatments were not adjusted correctly to compensate for the high soil background N and provide meaningful checks for the split applications. I'm going to show you a number of figures like this one. They're all set up the same. 
Wheat yield is in bushels per acre and is represented by the blue bars, and percent grain protein is represented by the yellow bars. Values followed by the same letter are not statistically different. At Indian Head, residual levels of soil N were low, only 16 pounds of nitrogen per acre in the top 24 inches of soil. As a result, yield and grain protein were very responsive to added nitrogen. Looks like the yield maxed out at about 140 pounds per acre of soil plus side-banded nitrogen, but percent grain protein continued to climb up to 170 pounds of nitrogen per acre. Dribble banding 60 pounds of nitrogen per acre at the 3 to 5 leaf stage to a base rate of 80 pounds of nitrogen per acre of side-banded urea, treatment 6, significantly increased yield and protein. However, differences were much smaller compared to just putting the whole 140 pounds of nitrogen per acre down in the sideband. While the split application gained a little protein, it also lost a little yield. Dribble banding 30 pounds of nitrogen of UAN to a higher base rate of 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre significantly reduced grain protein and numerically increased yield a little compared to dribble banding 60 pounds of nitrogen to a base rate of 80 pounds of nitrogen per acre. When nitrogen was put on late in the year at early flag, yield was reduced a little as expected, but protein was not increased as expected. When more nitrogen was put up front in the sideband, 110 versus 80, we still saw a modest yield decline when UAM was applied late at early flag. It was anticipated that the yield loss from late application would be less when more N was placed up front, but again, this was not observed as losses appeared to be equal. We also did not see any protein increases with the late applications as expected. This same pattern of decreasing yield with late application of UAN was also apparent at the 170 pounds of nitrogen per acre level of fertility, but again, grain protein was largely unaffected. So to summarize, the Indian Head site was very responsive to nitrogen in terms of yield and grain protein. Split applications of nitrogen tended to be a little lower yielding compared to placing all the nitrogen down at seeding. While most of the yield and grain protein potential could be reclaimed with a split application, you will see in the next slide that the economics of this approach were poorer at the 140 pound per acre level of N fertility and only slightly better at the 170 pound of nitrogen per acre level. This chart shows the economic returns of each treatment relative to treatment 2 which is 80 pounds of nitrogen of soil plus side banded nitrogen. I'm making comparisons relative to this treatment because for some locations treatment 1 and 2 are the same rate of nitrogen due to high levels of soil residual N. This economic analysis assumes $10.56 per bushel of wheat at 12.5% protein. I've assumed a generous protein premium or discount of $0.66 cents per percent per bushel. Wheat above 12.5% protein is getting a premium and wheat below 12.5% is getting a discount. The economic analysis also includes a cost of $1.33 per pound of nitrogen and an application cost of $10 per acre for dribble banding the UAN. Increasing rates of soil plus fertilizer N to 140 pounds per acre increase economic returns by $190 per acre compared to treatment 2, which is again the 80 pounds of nitrogen per acre of soil plus side banded N. 
At the 140 pound per acre level of infertility, none of the split applications generated as much income as putting all the nitrogen down in the sideband at seeding. This was true whether we started with a base rate of 80 or 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre. Delaying UAN application to early flag leaf also reduced economic returns, which demonstrates the importance of getting the nitrogen on early with split applications. At the 170 pound per acre level of nitrogen fertility, split applications were a tiny bit more profitable compared to sidebanding all the nitrogen at seeding, but profitability was again reduced if UAM was applied late at early flag. Outlook, which is an irrigation site, was also very responsive to added nitrogen in terms of yield and protein. Soil reserves of nitrogen were relatively low, 37 pounds of nitrogen per acre. While yield maxed at 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre of soil plus applied fertility, protein continued to climb all the way to 170 pounds of nitrogen per acre. At the 140 pound per acre level of N fertility, there was a significant increase in yield when UAN was applied at the 3 to 5 leaf stage. This was true for a base rate of 80 or 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre. Protein was reduced, but differences were not statistically significant. Split applications also improved yield at the 170 pound per acre level of infertility. Like the results from Indian Head, UAN applied at early flag to base rates of 80 or 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre resulted in a yield loss compared to UAN applications at the 3 to 5 leaf stage. This was true for the 140 pound per acre level of N and also the 170 pound per acre level of N. However, the yield decline from dribble banding UAN late was much less at 170 pounds per acre of nitrogen. The decline was also much less when the base rate was higher at 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre compared to 80 pounds of nitrogen per acre. At the 140 pound per acre level of infertility, split applications to the base rate of either 80 or 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre increased economic returns substantially over just sidebanding all the nitrogen down at seeding. This was also true at the 170 pound per acre level of infertility. Split applications were very economical at the irrigation site. Split application of nitrogen is common practice in moist environments such as England because it improves nitrogen use efficiency. Perhaps something similar was happening under irrigation in Saskatchewan. This requires further study to determine if these results can be replicated. Not surprisingly, the economic benefit of split applying nitrogen was reduced substantially by applying the UAN late at early flag at the 140 pound per acre level of infertility. At the 170 pound per acre level of infertility, a late split application did not result in an economic loss for the base rate of 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre, as delaying application resulted in a substantial protein increase, and the economic analysis assumes a generous protein premium. However, an economic loss from late application was observed when applying UAN to the lower base rate of 80 pounds of nitrogen per acre. At Swift Current, background soil N was 59 pounds per acre, but yield was still unresponsive to added nitrogen due to drought. However, grain protein significantly increased in response to added nitrogen. A few treatments yielded a little more than the 80 pound per acre base rate of nitrogen, but differences were small and statistically insignificant, 
While most treatments had significantly higher grain protein, this still wasn't enough to make the other treatments more profitable. The best strategy for this site was to supply only 80 pounds of nitrogen per acre at seeding due to the drought. All additions of nitrogen beyond this resulted in reduced economic returns. Even though significant differences between yields were not detected, yields were reduced numerically when UAM was applied late, and this consistently resulted in reduced returns for all split applications. Conditions were also dry at Scott, and results were very similar to Swift Current. While yields increased minorly with added nitrogen, the differences were statistically insignificant. In contrast, protein significantly increased in response to added nitrogen. While a number of treatments had marginally greater yields and grain protein compared to the base rate of 100 pounds of nitrogen per acre, this only resulted in greater economic returns for the base rate of 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre. Otherwise, all split applications of nitrogen were less economical than the base rates of either 80 or 110 pounds of nitrogen per acre. So let's review the economics. During the drought at Swift Current and Scott, holding back on sidebanded nitrogen at seeding would have proved economical because producers would not have bothered with triple banding any additional nitrogen. However, over fertilizing the crop by 30 to 60 pounds of nitrogen per acre hasn't come with huge economic loss. It was not until the crop was over fertilized by 90 pounds of nitrogen per acre that the economic losses started to become substantial. Let's look at the risk of not applying enough nitrogen at the beginning of the season for the wet locations and assume for some reason the split application of nitrogen was not possible to apply. At Indian Head, the optimum rate was 170 pounds of nitrogen per acre with 140 pounds of nitrogen per acre becoming a close second. If you held back on nitrogen to a base rate of 80N and were unable to successfully dribble band additional N, the economic consequence of this is $191 per acre, which is quite severe. Likewise, the economic consequence is $113 per acre at Outlook, which is also severe. But let's say you're cocky and you are certain you can effectively get the UAN applied by the 3-5 to five leaf stage and incorporated with rain. Well, at 140 pounds per acre and 170 pound per acre level of N fertility, there's nothing but upside for the irrigation site, as it would appear N use efficiency was improved by split applications, and you certainly can depend on irrigation to get the fertilizer into the ground. Of course, really wet conditions could prevent you from dribble banding the UAN on time. For Indian Head, Economic returns were greater with the split applications at the 170 pounds of nitrogen per acre level, but there was some risk of economic loss at the 140 pounds of nitrogen per acre level. But what if you're not so cocky? But you figure you can certainly get the UAN on time by early flag. Well, the risk of economic loss has increased substantially. It has even turned negative for outlook at the 140 pounds of nitrogen per acre level. So should you split apply nitrogen to manage risk? Well, perhaps under irrigation. In this study, there were large increases in nitrogen use efficiency, but this requires more study to see if we can replicate those results. If conditions are very dry and the long-term forecast doesn't look promising, then holding back on nitrogen at seeding could provide some economic benefit. But don't hold back too much, no more than maybe 30 pounds of nitrogen per acre. 
The economic risk of holding back a lot of nitrogen at seeding and missing the opportunity to dribble ban nitrogen early if conditions improve are much larger than losses incurred from over-fertilizing the crop by 30 pounds of nitrogen per acre during drought. Perhaps the best approach with split applications on dryland farming is to not do it on purpose. Fertilize for a regular crop yield and if conditions look exceptional, consider dribble banding UAN in-crop, but target it early at the three to five leaf stage, because that's best. Mike Hall is the research coordinator at the East Central Research Foundation farm near Yorkton. It's time now for the commodities update and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up rather sharply this hour. March canola trading at 826.50, that's up $18.80. May canola trading at 825.10, up $17.60. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 921 and three quarters, that's up a quarter of a cent. March Kansas City wheat trading at 874 and three quarters, up five and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 753 and three quarters, up three and three quarters of a cent. March corn trading at 684 and three quarters, up one and three quarters of a cent. March soybeans trading at 1537 and three quarters, up 28 and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 393 and a quarter, up five cents. And that's the commodities update. Farm Bulletin Board. Applications are now being accepted for the 2023 Saskatchewan Agriculture Student Scholarship Program. This year's theme is farming and the environment. Applicants of the scholarship are encouraged to explore the idea of environmental sustainability within farming and the importance of public perception on modern farming practices. Applicants should focus on progressive environmental practices conducted by producers and the importance of relaying that message to the public to enhance trust in the industry. Students are invited to submit a creative three-minute video or 1,000-word essay discussing farming and the environment. The deadline for applications is March 1st, and in order to find more information, simply go to saskatchewan.ca slash ag-scholarship. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions. An extreme cold warning is in effect for today, mainly sunny. Winds west-southwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 20, a wind chill of minus 30. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds west at 10 to 20, a low of minus 28, a wind chill at times of minus 40. For tomorrow, mainly sunny, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, 
a high of minus 21, a low of minus 31. For Wednesday, cloudy, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 15. For Thursday, sunny, a high of minus 24. And Friday, mainly cloudy, a high of minus 11. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 22 degrees. Dauphin is at minus 19. Brandon and Roblin, minus 25. Show Lake Russell, minus 26. Regina, Hudson Bay, and Indian Head, minus 22. Saskatoon, minus 25. Broadview Mooseman, minus 21. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 24. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a southwest wind at 21 kilometers an hour, 64 percent is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 24 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 36 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12:15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.